It is Thursday. It's 7 p.m., so that means you're listening to Hawks Live with me, Michael Bumpus, and my guy, Paul Moyer. Paul, it's always good to talk to you on a Thursday. And Thursdays are a good time. It gives us enough time to kind of break down the previous game and, and talk a little bit what's coming up. Um, last week was fun. Man. Yeah, it was. It was, it was. it was fun leading up to it, just – yeah, you know, fans again. Even though it was a road game for us, and you know what an incredible game. Uh, I'm pretty jacked up for this home opener, though. Yeah, it Seahawks. it didn't sound like a road game. No, guys were making plays, and I mean the crowd was getting into it. I wonder how many Hawks fans were there. Do you remember we were listening? There was one part. Uh, it was either a highlight or towards the end of the game. I can't remember what play it was, and we all looked at each other and went, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. It was so loud. Seahawks, you know, and then it was a big play and just the the crowd erupted. And I go, where are we playing here? <laughs> but, you know, we know the, the 12s travel awfully well. And, I look, I really believe, Bump, going into this week, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this, but I think this is going to be the most electric home opening game other than maybe the Thursday game after we won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. which, you know, kicked off the season in 2014. That was pretty electric. You know, it was a celebration. But I think just the fans being away for over a year, the 12s, the, the way this team looks you know, after its first game, uh, I just think they're going to be so excited. We're going to have Macklemore there, there who's going to be playing a kind of a, a mini concert. I think it goes on at 12 o'clock. So you're going to have the 12s in the – I think in the uh, – excuse well, I think uh, Macklemore is on at 12, right? He'll do the – celebration on the field or in the fan deck at one o'clock when the team leaves the locker room moving a nice little pregame concert okay pre okay so i thought it was going to be a little bigger than that but for you 12s get there at 12 <laughs> because it ties in with the 12s and there you go i'm i want to share the story because i was thinking about i think it's going to be so electric i think that the crowd just everything hours before the game is going to be really special I remember a game, I want to say it was 1987, which really is dating me. We were playing the Raiders Monday night, not to go down memory lane here, but the reason why I'm bringing this up is it was a game where the fans were in the stadium, darn near sold out an hour before the game. When I mean sold out, they're all in their seats. And we did this queen, we will rock you clap. And you had 60-some thousand people in Mm. unison with us clapping. And we were so fired up, man. There you go. We're stretching. And I'm like, let's let's go. We beat him 37 to nothing on energy, adrenaline. And maybe it wasn't 87. Whatever year it was, you know, probably 85, 6, whatever number it was. But that was so special. I, th- I see that happening as well. So 12s, now that you're listening, um, get there a little early because I think it's going to be electric. 12s, show up. If you go, if you get there at noon and you go to a bar, tell them Paul Moore sent you, you get a discount. Not really. I'm just playing with you guys. Don't say that. Uh, <laughs> you can. <laughs> tell them, gonna help tell them you. Moyer sent you. Yes. All right, let's recap this win over the Colts, though, man. I mean, this offense was the talk of the town, right? What is this, is, is this offense going to look like? Are there going to be check downs? Are there going to be quick game? What's the jet sweep going to look like? How is Russell going to handle this offense not practicing or being in preseason games? I'll tell you what he did. 18 of 23, 254 yards, four touchdowns, a QB rating of 152.3, which is his second best ever QB rating. Paul Murray gave me that stat on the weekend. And um, and they didn't neglect the run. Chris Carson still has 16 carries for 91 yards, 140 yards, rushing total by the Seattle Seahawks. This offense looked like they are ready to go. And what's exciting is that I don't think we've seen everything. This is week one. Shane Walters is going to build and build and build when it comes to this offense. Tyler Lockett had two touchdowns, four catches, 100 yards. DK had his touchdown catch. 
Everybody got involved. Gerald Everett, the new weapon, got a mm-hmm. touchdown. Yep. Will Disley got involved. I mean, everyone who needed to touch the ball and do something, they did. Yeah, Chris Carson had 91 yards, averaged 5.7 yards per carry. That's a very important piece. And, you know, as you were throwing those stats at him, thinking, well, Russell Wilson, he, okay, 78% completion percentage. If he keeps that up, that would be good. He's on pace for 68 touchdowns, no interceptions. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. He's on pace for 100 and what's his uh, quarterback rate, 152 and change or whatever that number yep. is. By the way, uh, 158.3 I think is a perfect perfect game, at which he's had before, mm-hmm. uh, I believe. Uh, the, what's interesting about this past game to break down is all the things you just said. Okay, they're, he, they did everything. They, they did everything that Russell Wilson wished for in the offseason. He got an extra. He got two big gifts, right? Usually you get one gift from Santa. Yeah. Now, nah, nah, he got a bunch. He got a – it's a better offensive line. You got some tight ends to throw to. Mm-hmm. You, got a, you got an offensive coordinator that says, hey, you're always going to have a place to throw the football. If they take something that we think that uh, will work away, you have options here. And so what I thought was so impressive in the passing game, I'll stay with that one first. What I thought was so impressive is I never saw him, he was, I don't know the word, I, I don't want to say relax is the right word, it, it just just in command, mm-hmm. um, even when he was in the pocket, that's the most I've seen him stand tall in the pocket, and he was in the pocket a lot this game, and he was very comfortable with it. And I think partly is he knew there was a place to always get rid of it. Yeah. And when he needed to, when it's second and 20, right before the half, and all of a sudden he steps up into the pocket and he throws the 69-yard touchdown to Tyler Lockett. That's what this offense starts to be scared. That's one game. Indy's a very good football team. We know that. Really good defense. It's one game. Yeah. It's, you know, look, it's Wentz. We own Wentz. Uh, we, we 0-6 he is against the, yeah, the Seahawks. You know, it's just it's just one of those. You, you see the guy and you go, ah, let's put a win on that, even though they're, they're a good football team. And I think I think this game is a game we should be able to move the ball and score a lot of points. I think we're going to need to. I don't think Tennessee is going to lay an egg again on offense like they did last week. All right, so we got a, showed a lot of love to this offense. Russell Wilson, DK, Chris Carson touched the ball 19 times total. I think that's a good number for him. But we got to highlight the defense too. Mm-hmm. Defense did his thing. Bobby Wagner had 13 tackles, typical Bobby Day. Jordan Brooks had 11 tackles. Rasheem Green had a sack. Benson Mayoa had a sack. Daryl Taylor had a sack. These are names that we were counting on going into the season. You said Paul Moyer, Rasheen Green can have a 10-sack type of year. Daryl Taylor needs to be explosive off the edge. His sack was impressive. He he had the receiver hezzy shake, got that tackle off balance, boom, gets through him, gets to the quarterback. I'm excited about this defense too. Yeah, I'll stay with Daryl Taylor just briefly because it's fresh in my mind. Here's a guy that can um, – and if I had Ray Roberts here, he, he, would, he would probably describe it better. But because of his speed rush – He's going to get guys on their their heels, and he's strong enough where he can actually bull rush a tackle. He can put them on their seat and get to the quarterback, which we saw a couple times with his rushes, and then set it up again. Pure speed rush. He's going to be able to do a spin move inside. Look, we're loaded out there. I mean, I, I don't know if we're going to have a 15-sack guy, but I, I, I believe Green, I believe Taylor. I mean, these are guys that have a chance to push for double-digit sacks, and then you fill in a bunch of other six to eighters, which we have. You know, Hyder, obviously, Dunlap, Mayoa. Mm -hmm. The list goes – I mean, we even talk about Jamal Adams. He had a sack. I think he wasn't offsides on that first third down. No, I don't think he was. You know, and – They called it on They called it, but I think it looked like he was, but his feet were two yards back. And, you know, if you want to call the helmet, so be it. That would have got us off the field, too. I mean, I kept that drive going. So – 
lot of good things. I'm not going to get overexcited. If I sound overexcited, I, I don't mean to because it's one Be excited, game. more. It's football season. Let's go. I'm excited. I just don't want to be overexcited. I, I, I want to see more. I, because, look, you know in this game. Think about this game last week. It's 14 to 10 before halftime. It's second and 20. We make a huge play. Mm-hmm. Now we're, it's 21-10. We get the ball in the second half. That play changed the whole complexion of that game. It did. You, know, it, it, you got to make it, those plays, though. I know. But I'm just saying, it's, it's four or five plays. It wasn't like Indy played poorly. I mean, they were in it. Even though it felt like we were done. I thought we controlled the line of scrimmages on both sides. I thought we were definitely a better football team, better quarterback. But I'm just saying, I just, you know, let's let this thing play out. We're going to have some adversity and it's going to be okay. We're yeah. going to be a really good football That's game. good to point out. It's okay to be excited, yeah. but realize that this is the NFL, and you're going to play good football teams, and you're going to look at the Tennessee Titans and see what they did last year, excuse me, last week, and see what Kyler Murray did and be like, oh, this should be an easy, easy win. I'm not going to say that. They still have Derrick Henry. They still have Julio Jones. They still have A.J. Brown. Now, there's been a transition at that offensive coordinator spot, so just like the Hawks are going through a transition, they hit their bump in the road week one. There's going to be a bump in the road for the Seahawks as well. So, yes, enjoy the win, but know that every week these guys got to come back and perform at a high level. Well, they went up 24 to nothing by Arizona over Tennessee, up 24 to nothing. That pretty much throws your game plan mm-hmm. out. I mean, you got Derrick Henry end up rushing for 17 times, but only 58 yards, 3.4 yards of carry, which is unlike him. I, th- I would take him over any pure running back. And actually, I mean, I like Chris Carson up there too, but Henry's that guy you look and go, as a defender, okay, I got to wear my bigger shoulder pads today. Big you boy know, pads. I got to I got to come with this. And but going into this game, we only one thought, we got to make him one dimensional. Yes, we got to make him throw to Julio Jones, AJ Brown. We got to make him a passing team, not a running team. We got to make him a passing team, not a running team. Derrick Henry is out there. All right, when we return, we'll get an opponent review, excuse me, preview from Joe Rex Rowe from The Athletic right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live with me, Michael Bumpus, and my guy, Paul Moyer. We're going to get into the Tennessee Titans, and now we get to talk to Joe Rex Rowe from The Athletic. He is our insider. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good to be with you. Hey, man, we appreciate you hanging in in there with us. I know it's late over there. It's uh, 7 our time. What is it, 10 your time? Come on, man. Tennessee, does, it's like Vegas. They don't sleep. <laughs> it's a good town. Uh, well, actually, I'm, I'm on a nice central time. So, Tennessee split. So, Nashville, the the middle of the state west is uh, central. So, so not, not too bad. Not too bad. Okay. Not too bad. Well, let, let's get into these Titans. Man, tough week one. Chandler Jones made his presence felt. Um, you didn't get the production out of Derrick Henry that you know you're going to see eventually. You didn't get the production out of A.J. and Julio that you know you're going to see. What's the feeling in Nashville right now? Yeah, well, I'd say, you know, maybe it's a, it was certainly shock, I'd say, for a couple of days. Maybe that's wearing off a little bit. Shock and anger because there was a lot of hype for this team, and it was a great environment for the opener, and, boy, did they lay an egg. And, you know, I think you, you hit on – the key. I mean, Chandler Jones, Derrick Henry. I mean, so this game really came down to the line of scrimmage and um, the, the Titans offensive line, which has been very good, uh, was just awful. I mean, you're talking about an $80 million left tackle, a, a guy who was, who was has been worth that contract. And Taylor Lewan, of course, coming off an ACL, hasn't played a game since October, but boy, he just, he just couldn't handle Chandler Jones at all. Um, and then 
you know, a few other guys who have been banged up uh, during camp and also they're on the COVID list that kind of just came back for game week. So I think that's kind of the big hope is that, you know, it's sort of a, a combination of factors and the offensive line will figure it out, but it really does start there. Nothing, nothing doing for Derrick Henry. And I mean, Ryan Tannehill had trouble setting up to even look at AJ Brown and Julio Jones. Yeah, it's all about the big boys in the trenches. They need more love. They really control the game. Now, a guy who also controls the game is the offensive coordinator, new coordinator out there. You got Downey. Um, out here at the University of Washington, there's some rumblings about the offensive coordinator. Are people in Nashville concerned about the play calling after week one? Yeah, and, you know, honestly, Todd Downey, I, I mean, we, we've talked about it a lot in Nashville, you know, in in the, in the off season, I, I think he was the guy under the most pressure anyway, because one, he he's been an OC one time for one season. And it was a really bad season with the Oakland Raiders in 2017. And of course, a lot of factors that season too, you know, Derek Carr was coming off the broken leg. And I mean, it was a bad scene all the way around. They had other injuries on offense. But bottom line is it was a really bad year. And, and he did get a lot of the blame and the OC always gets, a lot of blame, more blame than a lot of coaches because everybody can see what they're doing on a, on a you know, decision by decision basis. But he was already coming in sort of like, well, if they're great and they can match last year's 31 points a game, then okay, good job. You, you, you did your job with Derrick Henry, Julio Jones and AJ Brown. And if they fall off at all, then who are you going to look at? You know, Arthur Smith, his predecessor was outstanding. And now he's the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. So, there is concern. Now, I think it's probably a little bit of overreaction after one game, but this is a huge week for him. Well, how much was it? Because you fall behind 17 nothing early, you know, and you, you, you try not to get away from the game plan, but now it's 24-6 to at halftime. How much do you think that just took away? I mean, you, they, you guys want to run the football, but now you have to throw it. Yeah, well, sure. Now, I will say, though, I mean, when you have minus one yard after the first quarter and you have not targeted Brown or Jones, you know, that's a problem. And when every first down is a run to Henry that basically loses yardage, you know, at some point you, you mix things up. And um, obviously they want to establish the run game, and it's, it's going to be their bread and butter. But Arthur Smith was really good about being unpredictable and, and running play action on first down. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, they ran play action five times um, on the day. And last year, they were one of the top play action teams in the league. Certainly that's situational, as you pointed out. I mean, if you fall way behind, um, you know, you get a strip sack when you do run a naked bootleg and you kind of have to change your plan. That's going to take that away. But I still think early in the game it was very predictable, and you're behind the chains at second, twelve, second, eleven, constantly. And you know that is that is on Todd Downing. So um, yeah, it, the, the game did get out of hand. And the thing is, I think the Titans' defense actually played pretty well until they finally seemed to break down. Uh, and of course, there were just some plays that Kyler Murray made that you know that just very few people could make. Although. Maybe the quarterback coming up here uh, can make some of those plays as well, as we all know. Yeah, unfortunately, we get Murray twice a year, so we we know what he's all about. <laughs> hey, talk about uh, – you, you mentioned Taylor Lewin, who I don't know if he got beat for four or five sacks. I know Chandler Jones had five, and I think Buda Baker may have got one on him too, which, you know, got some play. But talk about – I think what he did was 
really kind of cool after the game. I mean, he, he basically humbled himself and, you know, thanked, you know, Chandler Jones for, you know, humbling him and that he's got to get back to work as, as well. But, well, what kind of guy is he? I mean, there's not many guys who are going to come out and, and do what he did after a game. Yeah, it's, that's interesting, and I agree. I mean, you know, it was a little mea culpa tweet, and, and yeah, like you said, he tagged Chandler Jones and basically was like, thanks for kicking my butt, you know, and and uh, I'll learn from it. And some people didn't like that around here, but also he kind of got criticism, but he, he didn't talk, but he, he would have talked. If it was an open locker room, he would have talked. And in fact, I, I put up the entire transcript at the like the day of Taylor because it was so good. Um and he it was very, you know, I mean, he went in-depth on all the issues, not trying to make excuses, but just trying to explain why he was such a mess. Um, and, you know, look, I mean, look, he got booed. He, he left the game. He had cramps. He had to get an IVs in the injury tent. And, of course, everybody's thinking it might be the knee. But he comes back in the game. The PA announcer announces, you know, tell the one back in the game. And, like, I mean, seriously, half the crowd booed him. You know, So, I mean, it was a rough day for him. But. He is, um, he's a great player, and he's, he rubs people the wrong way sometimes. He, he used to have a big problem with personal fouls and after the whistle stuff, but he's kind of cleaned that up. He's probably, a, you know, he's one of the best talkers. He's certainly the best talker on this team because he talks, you know, he's very sweet about what is going on, good or bad. So um, he's not exactly a leader. You know, because he's, his personality is so off the wall. But, uh, you know, he's, he's a polarizing presence and certainly a great player. I mean, if he's not a great player this year, then, I mean, the Titans' plans uh, are really going south. I mean, it's, they're very dependent on being able to, you know, be, put him on an island against great pass rushers and, and just feel fine about it. All right, Joe. So the Titans come into town. You got Julio Jones, got A.J. Brown, you got Derrick Henry. Um, any n- other names that we should be looking out for that probably aren't in the tabloids right now? Well, Anthony Ferkser, 86, the tight end, is he's kind of emerged as the top tight end. He is a good pass catcher, a good weapon, um, almost like a glorified slot receiver, but certainly a guy. He has a great connection with Ryan Tannehill. He, you know, he, just like those guys, didn't do a ton in the first week, but I mean, it was just a bad all-around week. But Chester Rogers, real nice story, you know, a guy who kind of bounced around, been hurt, but he kind of emerged as a slot guy, and he actually had the best day among the receivers. And is a you know, he's a part returner too, but you know, he's a nice player. They may get Josh Reynolds back um, this week now, and of course, you guys know Josh Reynolds well. You know, really, I thought a good signing for the Titans. He's had what he called Achilles stuff which is never good to hear, um, during during camp and missed a lot of it, wasn't able to go last week. But he's fully participating, so there's a chance they would have him. And the idea with him is, you know, kind of a vertical guy to, you know, kind of make those safeties think a little bit and take a little bit of heat off of uh, Brown and Jones. So if he's out there, that could give them a little bit of help. But, yeah, it's, you know, those three guys that you mentioned, I mean, it's, it's still going to revolve around them, and it should revolve around them. Well, as we we gonna have to let you go here in a sec, but uh, you're gonna get a good one too. Bradley McDougal, who was here for a while, he, he was part of the trade with Jamal Adams. Uh, so you're you're gonna like him. Good football player as well, but uh, I think you'll like interviewing him. Yeah, well, it's a big week for him because, of course, Amani Hooker, the starter, um, is out, and I think it will be McDougal in this game. And yeah, I mean, it's it's been impressive to me how quickly he has 
adapted um, as you know, he got brought in midway through camp. So um, yeah, I think, uh, I think he'll be out there as a starting safety Sunday and maybe, you know, maybe his knowledge of the Seahawks will be a little bit of an advantage, but of course he also knows the challenge he's facing. I mean, as a safety face and those receivers, that's gotta be uh, that's gotta be pretty daunting. Yep. No matter what we saw last week, we know that when the Titans come into town, it's going to be a tough game. Joe, we appreciate your time, my friend. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You got it. All right. That was Joe Rexwood Road from The Athletic. Coming up next, we'll talk to starting center of the Seahawks, Mr. Kyle Fuller, right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live every Thursday at 7 o'clock right here on ESPN 710. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. Now we get to talk to the starting center for the Seattle Seahawks, Kyle Fuller. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How's it going tonight? Hey, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. Football season is in full effect. Week two is coming up. And, uh, man, you've had a journey, man. You had a journey. Drafted in 2017, seventh-round pick. Spent some time in Houston, Washington, the Dolphins, Seahawks. And now you are a starter, man. Just tell me about that journey, what it's been like, and how rewarding it is to be where you are now. Yeah, it's been uh, extremely rewarding. You know, just a long process. Uh, obviously, without getting too detailed about it, but it's 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 been um, everything, every step that I've taken. You know, essentially, it's just been there to prepare me for uh, this moment and what I got going on now. I think we all saw, you know, last year you, that the athletic ability you have at center, and then when you had the game, we'll ask you more about that against the Rams down in L.A. When you really, I thought you handled Aaron Donald as well as anybody we've seen this year. But what what was that like last week? As you and Posick, you were rotating, looked like between series. Um, how was that for you to adjust? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely been an adjustment for sure. Um, Obviously, everything here is about competition, you know, so, uh, you know, the competition was still around. Uh, things things uh, obviously um, happen a certain way um, in the game, you know, uh, but, you know, the best thing that I can do is just get out there and do my job. That's really all I'm focused on. Now, in my years of football, Cal, I've, uh, I've learned that the offensive lineman room is the closest room or unit on the football team. Is that true? And just give me an insight on, on what this offensive line room looks like. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, you know, it's a offensive line. It's a thankless job. You know, you don't score touchdowns. You don't make tackles. You know, you don't do anything really on on the stat line. You know, so uh, you know, usually that's 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 usually how the group of guys uh, essentially approach you know work every day. Um, you know, and that that makes for pretty much uh, unity in the room. You know, a lot of chemistry. Uh, you know, obviously you have guys with different personalities and things like that. But you know, everybody usually gets along pretty well. You guys, uh, you look good last week. So trying to and tell the, the, the 12s right now, listen, and I, I know you've probably been asked this question a million times with Waldron coming in, new offense, but is there one or two things this year for you as an offensive liner, you as a center, that is really different from maybe the last couple of years with the Seahawks? Yeah, I think that this is definitely a closer group than uh, years past, uh, just in, in terms of just being able to uh, understand the guy next to you, um, understand exactly what it is that they do um, well and, and and the things that they might not do so well. And, you know, it helps to complement each other. Um, that's definitely the biggest thing that I can see uh, for this offensive line, you know. So, and that's, that's just what we're going to continue to build on and continue to grow on every day. 
Now you're you're coming to Lumen Field. Titans are coming into town. Twelves are going to be out there. Is are you excited about the fans? Are you concerned about it? Because you know there's a lot of communication that goes in the offensive line. Have you gotten used to quiet stadiums? Just what's your mental going into this game as far as the noise and twelves being back? Yeah, I mean I'm just you know we're not too uh, worried about the noise or anything like that, but definitely excited to have the twelves back. Um, you know that's going to be a, def- a definite factor for them. You know, so we're going to make sure that it's not a factor for us. Take me back to Wiley, Texas. By the way, my kids just moved to Dallas. These guys are tired of me uh, hear, hearing about that, but they've been there about two years, and <laughs> and uh, and I yeah. love it. So, but they love Dallas. They're they're kind of in that Plano area, and I think you're just a little east of of that. But tell me about being in at Wiley, Texas is big. First of all, football. We know that. I mean, that to me is the king of football. You know, why Baylor? You know, tell me about that recruiting process. And then after that, I got a follow-up question for you. Yeah, uh, Wiley, small suburban town right outside of Dallas. Uh, football is a religion there. Um, you know, I was blessed to have a great head coach in college, or I mean, high school, excuse me. Uh, you know, who took took the time out, helped me grow as a person. Um, and essentially, the recruiting process came around um, when um, Randy Clements, who was the offensive line coach at Baylor at the time, uh, he had reached out. And um, that hit me up about coming down to Baylor. And, uh, you know, Baylor's only about two hours away from Dallas. So, essentially, it was a no-brainer for me um, being close to home, being able to play football, you know, in Texas still. You know, that was that was everything to me. Were you – you know, you think Texas that everybody's a Longhorn, Longhorn fan. I mean, they, they've struggled, you know, obviously the last few years, got you know, beat up pretty good last week. Well, were you a long uh, – Texas Longhorn fan, and uh, was there any interest there? Uh, no, not really. I didn't really grow up a Longhorn fan. Um, <clears throat> I was more uh, – I, I didn't really pay attention to it, to be honest, too much. Uh, there were a lot of Longhorn fans. There's a lot of Texas Tech fans, a lot of Baylor fans. It's actually kind of mixed the further north you get. Um, but towards Austin, it's definitely, you know, UT country, so – What's it like just starting in the NFL? You know, there are a lot of guys who chase the dream. You know, a lot of guys who come into preseason, uh, they get cut, they don't make it. Some guys go other places. A lot, a lot of guys, their career is over. You found a way to kind of hang around and get your shot. What's it like knowing that, look, I'm a starter in this, in this league? Yeah, I just can't take it for granted. Um, go out there every day, do my job, uh, play hard, play fast. Essentially, that's, that's, that's about all I can do. You know, um, I can't get too focused into – you know, what is, you know, things that might happen, things like that. So I just kind of have to focus and just, you know, go out there and uh, accomplish any goals that I have. So We're with uh, Kyle Fuller, your starting center for the Seattle Seahawks. Kyle, it's been a weird two years with the pandemic. You know, last year, my goodness, you know, you guys were kind of locked down and having to do testing all the time. Has anything changed for you guys this year? And are you able to feel like you, you've got a little more mobility, at least with your free time? Yeah, just a little bit more um, mobility around the building and stuff like that. Obviously, we still want to be careful. Uh, we still want to be careful with uh, you know how we go about you know being out in public, things like that, because the virus is still around. But you know, it's it's definitely uh, a lot different from last year. Last year was a very tough year, um, you know, and and hopefully we'll be able to get back to a sense of normalcy at some point. So what what do you do on Monday nights, the the night before you have days off on Tuesday, or what do you do on Tuesday to to get a little bit of relief from football? 
Yeah, I mean, most mostly those days are uh, set for recovery, uh, you know, going over any corrections, things like that uh, for the game before. Um, but once I'm done with those, I just kind of clear my mind and allow myself to just relax, you know, uh, before I get back into the work week. All right, favorite favorite spot to eat. Where do you like to go, man? Um, out here. Yeah. Uh, I like um, I like uh, Joey Bellevue. That's a good spot. I like that place. Uh, food there is pretty good. So that's probably that's probably my favorite spot out here. So take me back to a game that uh, really jumped out on us last year. Rams down in L.A. You're up against, again, not that you're just up against Aaron Donald, but the one thing I know the Rams are trying to do is match up. So they probably see a, a considered a younger guy at the time, and, and you, you had to go up against him. But tell me just what that was like, and you played a great game, but just, you know, what your, the preparation going into that and how you felt after you were done playing against him. Yeah, obviously, you know, a guy like that, you have to respect him. Um, but, you know, the preparation is all done in practice, you know, so you, you when, when you get to the game, um, essentially we have this quote, it's basically practice preparation uh, equals game reality. So, you know, you practice very hard. Uh, you do what you're supposed to do in practice. That way it shows up on tape um, on Sundays. And essentially that's just kind of how uh, my approach is to pretty much every game. You know, I don't, I don't go in there, you know, psyching myself out against, you know, certain people, certain opponents, things like that. Um, you know, a lot of that is just hype, you know, so as long as I just go in there and perform and do my job, then that's all that matters. All right. Titans are coming into town. You've been watching film. You've been preparing. What type of game do you expect this Sunday? You know, it's going to be a good game. You know, we just have to go out there, execute, um, do our thing uh, on offense. Defense has to do their thing. Special teams do their thing. And essentially, uh, you know, it'll be a good result. Okay, before we let you go, I, I got to ask this. I'm going back to Dallas, see the kids, first of November. What's your favorite restaurant I have to go to? Uh, okay, so on the north side of Dallas, out in Frisco, it's about 35 minutes north of Dallas. It's called Hutchins Barbecue. Um, that place, definitely probably the best. Best barbecue in town. Uh, my favorite restaurant for sure. My, my son lives in Frisco, so that's perfect. I'm yep, set right now. I'm, I'm set, Kyle. I'm going to tell him that uh, you said hi when I get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. Okay. All right, Kyle, man, we appreciate right. you taking time out of your day. Have a good weekend. Let's go get this W on Sunday. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. That was starting center Kyle Fuller for your Seattle Seahawks. Coming up next, we'll talk to the professor, Mr. John Clayton, right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Lives. Thanks for joining Michael Bumpus, myself, and Paul Moyer. And you hear the music. It's 747, almost 8 o'clock. We're getting funky. It's time to talk to Mr. John Clayton. John, how you doing? Good. I'm back. John, do you have rhythm? Uh, dancing, no. No, I just but do I, I do have rhythm. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I again, it's like uh, as much as I like funk, I mean, it's like you got to have rhythm if you like funk. I just want to make sure because we, we we play that funk music and you know I'm watching myself I'm popping the shoulders it's looking good yeah yeah, yeah I, I I saw Bumpus he had he kept his hands inside like the Will Smith <laughs> demands you know don't so I was just curious about you no I mean I I'll, I'll bounce around I mean again it's not you know dancing is not my forte it's like it's one that I've never been good at but boy I mean just to be able to to go with the rhythm and you know go bounce I mean again you you uh, you don't get to see me because I'm always here at home but I'll bounce my head and do all those different things particularly with the uh, different beats 
I've you, never met a wide receiver doesn't think he can dance. <laughs> well, I'm not a wide receiver. No, I'm, I'm staring at Bumpus on this <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. We all can. John, but you know what is your forte? It's football, man. Yeah. We got the New York Giants up 20-17 to 17 versus the Washington football team. We have Taylor Heineke, 20-26, 178 yards. Now, John, I thought that the Washington football team should and would take a look at Cam Newton. You think that's possible? No. I don't think so. I think that uh, even though Ron Rivera coached him, they've had great success together, all those different things, is that uh, I just think that uh, you know he, he worries that that could be a problem in the locker room. And remember, it's like uh, – because remember, here's – and again, this is where Cam put his foot in his mouth where he says that, uh, yeah, my aura was one of the reasons I'm no longer a Patriot because if I would have gone – if they kept me there, then the aura would have affected uh, you know Mac Jones. All right, well – here, one of the things that uh, Ron Rivera dealt with last year is Dwayne Haskins, and his aura caused problems in the locker room to a point where they actually cut him, even though he was a first-round pick, and he was still young. And so I just get the feeling that, uh, that that's not in the cards. I mean, they'll you know they'll look for something right now because I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be out six to eight weeks with his hip injury, but uh, I, I just don't think Cam's an option. Before we get too funky, um, share some um, injuries just for the Seahawks. Update to us and Tennessee because they, they made a, a move as well this week. Yeah, I mean, the, the concern I think right now is on the offensive line because we don't know where Damian Lewis is. He missed practice today. Jamarco Jones is banged up. And Damian's such an important part of this offense because one of the things that both Damian and Gabe Jackson give them the ability to do is go with a less experienced center because they take such he take those two take such pressure off him and I know they say that for Damian Lewis who's a second year offensive lineman but he was one of the best guards among rookies last year so they definitely need Damian Lewis back you know and knowing that you know Jeffrey Simmons is a good defensive tackle and that could be some problems uh you know the Titans right now uh they have so many issues I mean because like Taylor Lewan coming off that ACL injury looked terrible I mean gave up five sacks to Chandler Jones and and, uh, you know, they they you know, they they played so poorly, particularly on defense, because last year they were the fifth fourth defense in the league statistically. And then they come back and uh, they even play a worse game, giving up 37 points to Arizona. John Pete Carroll turned 70 years old recently. He's one of the oldest coaches to ever be a head coach in the NFL. What is it about him, his game plan, his philosophy that has allowed him to last so long in this game? Funk. <laughs> no, because, no, because again, it's like I know, uh, you know, he was at the University of Pacific and all that stuff. I mean, he was a big James Brown fan. I mean, he was a big fan of funk and all that stuff. Because I know, I mean, you know, when uh, we're able to be near the coaches, which we aren't right now. I mean, every year, uh, J- uh, Pete would come over and sing me a, a James Brown song, and he give the Bobby Brown, you know, introduction and all those great things. And so, I think funk was one of the great reasons. And then also, I mean, you know, the fact that, uh, particularly when he, you know, again. <laughs> It, it was like he wasn't like an unsuccessful NFL coach because say what you want. I mean, he was with two teams, but uh, the Patriots and the Jets. But he was able to get two of those years where he, they were in the playoffs. Now, they didn't do anything in the playoffs, but they were in the playoffs. Then he goes to USC. And because he has such a young mind, I mean, it works so well with the players as far as being able to recruit. And so now you can see he's 70, but he looks like he's like, uh, you know, 51, 52 years old. And I think, you know, he's probably going to coach to he's 74, 75 years old, where Marv Levy was the oldest coach at 72. I'm going to stay on that topic with Pete a little. Um, I'll, I'll move it a, a little bit. What, what do you think's harder, 
Do you think it's harder for a college coach to come to the NFL or have an NFL coach to go to college? And the, and the reason why I'm bringing that up, they're talking about the is it uh, are they looking at the enemy? The enemy. Thank you, the enemy yeah. over at Kansas City going to USC. I don't know if he's had any college experience. And you know, there's been very few, obviously, coach coaches other than really Jimmy Johnson and Pete Carroll that have made the transition from college to the NFL. Yeah. What, what, do, you, what do you think's tougher? Well, it's, I think it's tougher to have a pure college coach, and that's not Pete Carroll because he's been in the NFL. John Harbaugh was in the NFL. I mean, the guys that you mentioned are in the NFL. But, it, like, if you're Urban Meyer, uh, you're completely lost coming into the NFL. And, like, for example, if you go back, I think it's to 2020, there's been about nine or ten head coaches hired purely out of college that have no NFL experience, and the only one who won, had a winning record, and that was by five games, was Chip Kelly, and I wouldn't consider him to be a great success in the NFL and you know you can you, you can look how lost Urban Meyer is right now I mean he doesn't know what to do I mean the practices are probably too tough I mean he's uh, probably losing the faith of his players I mean he doesn't know how to answer things and you know he doesn't like free agency I mean he just doesn't know what he doesn't know and the idea is if you're going to be a college coach uh, you know you you don't know what NFL players because what ends up happening if you go into the NFL from college, you end up getting too much personnel power than you should, and you mess it up. And so because of that, I think that uh, he's in a spot right now where he's going to fail. Now, like, for example, he won't leave uh, Jacksonville because he's making about $9 million a year. And you know USC, they're not paying $9 million for a head coach. So that won't happen. And in case of Bienemy, I think if you're Eric Bienemy, sure, you've got to be. Now, remember, he turned down Colorado last year and he went to Colorado. And then, you know, going over to USC, you know, that's a possibility. But I don't think he's going to do it because if you're Eric Bienemy, you're riding the gold wave right now because you've got uh, Patrick Mahomes as the as your quarterback. I mean, you've got a chance to go to your third straight Super Bowl. And, you know, if somebody doesn't hire him, there should be an investigation in this stupidity in the National Football League. Yeah, it's a lot easier. Well, it would be hard to babysit, you know, 18, 19 year old. I'll say babysit, but that's yeah. just that's a tough deal. All right, John, my favorite time. What do you want to talk about? Well, I want to talk about the injury factor because, you know, I was just counting it up before I came uh, down here to do this. And, you know, it, it, naturally in week one, you know, with pre pretty much the limited preseason, there was about 85 players that uh, starters that missed starts. OK, 85. And that's not bad. But now watch the numbers. They're skyrocketing last now. Now, because, I mean, the two teams that I think are going to be very concerned are Baltimore because Baltimore's lost three, their top three running backs. Nick Boyle, their second tight end, he's on injured reserve. I mean, uh, Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle, he's going to miss this week. You know, their first-round pick, a wide receiver, he's out, and they lose Marcus Peters. And then you look at San Francisco, and the injuries continue there. I mean, Jason Verrett blows out his ACL. I mean, they find out Drake Greenlaw, the linebacker, he's going to be out six to eight weeks. Raheem Moster, the running back, I mean, he hurts his knee. And so now they're down Moster and Jeff Williams and Jeff Wilson at running back. And, uh, you know, Emmanuel Mosley didn't play because of a knee injury. It's not good. It's not good, but you are always good on Thursdays. John, we appreciate your time and we'll talk to you soon. Keep it funky, baby. Okay, sounds good. All right, that's Mr. John Clayton coming up next. Okay, thanks. Paul Moyer and myself will square up and talk that talk right here on Hawks Live. One hour down, one more to go. We always start off the 8 o'clock hour with this segment, Talk That Talk. 
going to throw out some topics. Mm. Moore and I are going to debate them a bit. You guys decide who wins. You guys decide. I think, by the way, I'm going to be like uh, Tennessee uh, Titan left tackle last week. I just, I'm just going to humble myself. Yeah, I, I think I think you beat me last week. Think so? Yeah, I do. Man, for Moyer to admit defeat is huge. That's huge. I didn't say you knocked me out. <laughs> Went to the scorecard. All right. Yeah. First topic for you, Moyer. Question. Yeah. When Russell Wilson finally retires, Shane Waldron will be his best offensive coordinator. So many ways to go with that question. Yes. One is what does best mean? Because um, we got to go back 2013-14 with two Super Bowls. Now, granted, we won with defense at the time in a running game and you know whatever we want to call game manager with Russell Wilson. But that was pretty good offensive coordinator at the time to take what you have and go win. Mm-hmm. At the same time, last year, Shoddy is the most successful offensive coordinator we ever had as far as points go. Yep. You know, they set a record there, and it was obviously the first half of the season that got most of that. So – I'm not sure which direction we go on the best, but I th- I'm going to say yes. Okay. And here's why. Because I think the relationship between uh, Shane Waldron and, and Russell Wilson is special. I think that the respect there and, and both being somewhat like-minded in their thought process. Now, what I don't know is how much do we get him for? Mm-hmm. Talking about Shane Waldron. I mean, if they have unbelievable success, they're not keeping him as an uh, offensive coordinator. Look, Pete's 70. So maybe in four or five years, is Shane head coach material? Does he get a chance somewhere else? So there's a lot of things that go into play there. But I'm going to say yes because I think we're in a system right now that Russ Wilson has a chance to really thrive in. Okay. I'm going to say no. And I'm going to say no because when it's all said and done, say 10 years from now, fans are going to look back at the stats and the season. They're going to say clearly Schottenheimer was his best Offensive coordinator, the records, the um, was it total yards for a franchise during a season. Scheinheimer set that. Now, in the present, we're looking at this and we're like, this offense is what it should be, right? In the present. So I think the further away we get from the present, especially after when Russell retires and we're looking back at history, we're going to look at the numbers, or at least the analysts are going to look at the numbers and say, no, he had his best years with Schottenheimer, unless Shane wins a Super Bowl with his football team. I don't know if they're going to win a Super Bowl. I think they're contenders. But one thing that I do know right now is that Schottenheimer had the best offensive year as a coordinator any other coordinators had. We didn't like the play calling. We didn't like the way things were set up. But they're going to look at numbers. They're not going to look at tape. All right, so I'm going to combat you a little bit on that. Okay. So if we're looking at purely numbers, and you're right, 10 years from now, they go, oh, look at these numbers. We're about to have a 17-game season. Mm-hmm. And Russell Wilson right now is on pace for 68 touchdowns. 68. Over 17 games. <laughs> and he's completing 78% of his passes. And you remember that's one thing he's always wanted. He's mm-hmm. wanted to complete 70% of his passes. He was on pace on that early last year. The reason why I say yes, and again, not to have the last word, feel free, but um, it's I think the system allows him to complete those 70% passes okay. with still taking the ball deep. Okay. So, again, it's one game. Yeah. But – um, I like what I see. So if far. he does not get an MVP under Shane Waldron, they're going to go back to Scheinheimer. <laughs> we, remember, we don't want him to be an MVP. Hadn't had an MVP he, he, win the Super Bowl in over that's 20 true. years. You'll take, you'll take a Super Bowl. Of course, you'll take a Super Bowl over MVP. And I, and I think Russell would as well. Yeah, oh yeah, but for me, I don't care about MVP. I think it's the <laughs> dumbest award in the world. First of all, it's a quarterback. Well, I want to just say who's the best quarterback. 
What, 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 Nick, show me an MVP outside of quarterback. It happens like once every 15 AP? years. AP? Was that the last? What, running yeah, back? AP? AP. Maybe, uh, I'm trying to think there's another running back and. You know, was I mean, it's, it's, it's LT? It's kind of like, I don't know. LaDainian Thomason, I think he got an MVP. He might have. I'm, I'm thinking like Heisman trophies. I think the last defensive guy was Charles Woodson, mm-hmm. you know, because he did some returning and, you know, great defense, defender that he was. Uh, it, look, it's a quarterback league. It is. So, All right. Call, call it like a shit. So, let's stay on the Russell Wilson thing because, you know, Tom Brady at 44, you got to be kidding me. Man. I mean, you have Got to be kidding! I just hope I'm still playing golf at 44. He's in the league. Yeah, I just turned a number I don't like, but um, <laughs> 44. I mean, I, I'm 16 years older than Tom. For okay. those who want to do the math on that, I, I, it's just 16. He, the guy's still playing football. I'm not just playing. I mean, George Blanda played till he's you know late 40s. He was a kicker. He came in some mop up duty, but he looked like he was 44, 48. Actually, he looked like he was 60 mm-hmm. when he was playing. Tom looks like he's 28 years old. He's mature. He's shaking off the offensive coordinates. And no, no, no. And he's right. You know, um, it's me. So, along with it, will Russell Wilson play as long as Tom Brady? I'm going to say no. And I'm going to say no because Russell has so many other things on his plate right now and on his mind that he wants to do. I think that Russell's going to get one more Super Bowl. I really think he's going to – whether it's here or somewhere else, I think he's going to get one more. And I think once he gets that validation, which is going to come before 44 in my opinion, what is he, 32, 33 years old? 32. I think he's going to be out the game. It's like, look, I've done everything. I've got two Super Bowls. Mm. I got a a pop star wife. I got a beautiful family. I got all these companies and and businesses going. I'm out the game. I don't think he plays that long. Uh, Let me come with an uppercut. Um, <laughs> uppercut, <laughs> not a jab, not, <laughs> not a jab. Uppercut. I'm uppercutting right now, man. We're still in the first inning or se- second uh, round. Um, look, Russell wants this. He wants to be not. Not only does he want to play probably the longest. I don't know if that's actually the goal. I know one thing. He wants to be the high. He wants to make more money than any player in NFL history. You think he really does? I do. Yeah. And, and, and it's not just that. I just he has goals. That's not a. It's not even a selfish goal. It's a goal. Look, he's willing to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. He's willing to put all the hours. And he, he's one of the few people I know that can have a lot of things moving and still produce and focus. Tom Brady can do it, too. But Tom's pretty focused on football because he's got Giselle making, you know, $100 million a year. Mm-hmm. You know, so he can really focus. But, look, Russell's got a wife that, if need to, can go make some coin to also. No disrespect to Sierra, but it's it's different. No, I know. I look. I, I get Giselle's. You know, she's the top of or was the top of her game. She she makes a ton of dough. Sierra's awesome, but you know, Sierra. You know, I think she her priority still to be a mom and a family yeah. with with a career. They're they're a power couple, obviously. For sure. But I I don't think Russell will because injuries. You know, it's just the law of averages, and and Tom's still going strong, but he's going to try. <laughs> he's going to do everything he can to okay. play until he's in his mid-40s because it's a goal of his. He's yeah. already said it. And you're tr- you're right. What did Pete Carroll say about Russell Wilson? First time he met him, he had a list of goals. Yep. Wrote on a piece of paper. Pete Carroll still has it. So far, he's hit every goal. So I like hey. to talk to Pete and be like, man, did he say like 45 years old before he retires? On we have life? the clip. We'll, we'll, pull, we'll get that clip either for next week or Sunday. I'm sure NASA grabbed that. It's, it's a good one, though. Okay. All right. Monday Night Football with Peyton and Eli is better than the normal Monday Night Football broadcast. Now, before you answer, I'm going to say I didn't get a chance to listen to Peyton and Eli. And listening to our producer, Nasa Chobie, and you, Paul Moyer, 
I, I don't know if I'm going to watch regular Monday Night Football. Y'all go at it. Tell me what you thought. It was, Paul, it was something. I, I'm a I'm a believer. I'm convinced. I'm flipping over to watch Peyton and Eli every single Monday night. And this is no disrespect to Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, Lewis Riddick, Lisa Salters. They're professionals. They do a great job of what they do. But I'm telling you, when you flipped over, and it's two guys who are great at what they do just talking about ball. They brought in Russell Wilson. They brought in Ray Lewis. They brought in all these pieces to talk about it. And, man, Eli is throwing shade at Peyton. He said, hey, if I gave you two helmets – one is you have ten grand in one, and then a, a helmet full of quarters in the other. Which one is worth more? Because it's Peyton Tillman, his big head. So it's just roasting him. So it trust me, it's great programming. I'm sold on what they're doing. I love it. You know, uh, it's it's entertainment. And so you're right. The Monday Night Crew, it's just the same old same old, right? It's just football. They're they're, they're analyzing the game. You've got this one. It's entertainment about because they had Ray Lewis, you had uh, uh, Russell Wilson on, and there's this one scene. It's awesome. You got Peyton Manning. He's, he puts on a helmet that doesn't fit him. It, it sits right on the top of his forehead. And he's going, uh, it, and he starts calling the play out. And he goes, okay, it's two plays, two plays. And he gets up to the line of scrimmage. And, he's, and he's, his hands are going out wide like, you know, uh, like, you know, whatever, wings. And he goes, can, can. And then Eli goes, what's can mean? He goes, I call two plays. It means can the first one. We're going with the second one. All while the play is going on. So you're getting in the huddle with him. And the entertainment value it's awesome because on Sundays or, or Mondays, you can go back and watch the regular game. Yeah. This will be the highest rated watched piece because the one thing that they did, they brought back um, Howard Cosell, Dandy Don Meredith. They brought an entertainment value. It wasn't just about the game. And I, that's something to me has been missing for 20 years. It sounds like you're sitting back watching ball with your boys and there's a couple awesome. guys – who know a lot about it, and you're just infatuated with what they're saying and how they're saying it. It's all of us, the three of us, upstairs in the conference room watching the, the Seahawks, and we're saying stuff, and I'm screaming, and I get up, <laughs> and I pace, and yes, that's it. It's it. It's awesome. All right. Well, that's pay-per-view content, though, Bob. We, we okay. can't put that out on the air because yeah. we all love the jobs that we do. <laughs> we like our families and whatnot, but it's a great time when we're watching the game up in the studio. That's the kind of stuff that you get from Peyton and Eli on another level, so I'm whoa, all in. Whoa, I'm whoa, sold. Whoa, whoa, hey. At a level. Nah. Hey, hey, if you guys want to get together and get pay-per-view to, to stream us live, <laughs> we will entertain you. I guarantee you that much. <laughs> all right, guys. That was Talk That Talk. That was a good one, man. I had fun with that one. Thank you, Nasa Chobi, for joining in on that. Coming up next, we'll go into the film room. We're going to break down three plays that we saw this weekend from the Seahawks. That's coming up next on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN. I'm Michael Bumpus along with Paul Moyer. We are going into the film room. That's when we pick out several plays. We got three today. And we kind of break them down and tell you guys what we saw. There's a lot to talk about with this Seahawks offense that was displayed on Sunday. The first play we're going to break down, Russell Wilson finds Gerald Everett for a nine-yard touchdown. Russell looking for the snap. Gets it from the shotgun. Now looks. Now steps back. Now fires inside. It's Everett. He dives in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Welcome to Seattle, Mr. Everett. They named a city after you north of Seattle for scoring a touchdown. A nine-yarder, and the Seahawks go on top 13-3. to All right, Paul Moore, this was a beautifully designed play. The defense is in a two-high look. Looks like a soft cover, too. The Seahawks come out in the trips to the right. You got Will Disley inside at the number three spot, Tyler Lockett at the number two, and Gerald Everett outside at the number one. So now we're already seeing things we haven't seen just by the formation. 
You got a tight end in the slot at number three. You got a tight end outside at number one. You got Lockett in the slot. Now, what they do is, let's talk about Disley and Tyler Lockett. They both look like they're running out routes. So that corner who's in the in the flat, he's sitting there looking like, okay, I got an outcome of my way. I'm going to sit right here and wait to blow this thing up. All right, now we have what seems to be an out by Will Disley. Now that, that hook-to-curl player is being threatened by Will Disley, he goes, look, I got to respect this right here. I'm going to sit down right here. What they don't know is going to happen is Tyler Lockett turns into a whip. That means he brings it back in after the out. And now Will Disley turns into a prairie route. We used to call it a prairie route, outpost. You go out and you go back up. It holds the safety. And now with all that chaos going on where you're holding guys on that second level and on that third level at the safety, you got Gerald Everett underneath with a slant, opening everything wide open. He catches the ball, dives in the end zone. Well-designed play, Moyer. Yeah, I'm looking at I told you, because you're the offense coordinator for Eastside Catholic, I said, uh, you might want to put that in the game plan. That is really hard to defend if, if you're playing a zone for sure, right? Yeah. I mean, that's it's really difficult. And they probably thought they were going to get a corner out like Tyler Lockett normally does. He runs the whip instead. You mentioned uh, Will Disley. Disley, first of all, you shouldn't play that defense down in the goal. You should never have a two-deep type of look. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's too hard. It's too hard for the safeties to cover that. And a great example is Disley runs kind of a, a bend route, which I we used to call it, where he brings it through the seam back to the post, which occupies a middle linebacker, occupies a safety, which brings Everett underneath. Re- really well-designed play. And by the way, Penny on the far the other side, He's wide open into the flat. He yeah. could he could have picked three guys that were wide open because that's how tough that that route was. Beautiful route. Russell saw it. Threw it to Gerald Everett, who is the new addition to this offense. I love it. Yeah, no, it's it's good stuff. All right, next play we got Russell Wilson finds Tyler Lockett for a 69-yard touchdown. Second down and 20. Russ steps up in the pocket and he's going to let fly deep downfield. Got a man open. Lockett. Ten. Five. Stumbles. He's in. Second down and 20 after a sack. Russell Wilson rears back and lets it fly. 69-yard touchdown. Tyler Lockett, his second score of the day. Holy catfish. This offense is explosive. So we talked about, I'm not even talking about the play yet. What did you guys hear? I want you to hear something. Yeah. Where was that game played? I believe it was in Indianapolis. Where did it sound like it was being played? Sound like Red Lumen. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the crowd, they're going nuts on that play. But here's what's so exciting about this team. So for two, almost a whole half, we got, what, 30, 40 seconds left. We got 50 seconds left in the half. It's second and 20. We just had a penalty, <clears throat> which, you know, moved us back. I'm thinking, all right, maybe we get a field goal. And this is where Russell, all game, he was standing so tall in the pocket. <clears throat> The route was good. I always say, look, as routes get deep, you get past 15, 20 yards, and you now going up against the safety, that's just one-on-one. It's no longer a zone. And they mm-hmm. were playing a two-deep zone at the time. Lockett runs what I what – he looks like he's going to run a corner out. He ends up bringing it back, just reading the safety. And he splits the two safeties right down the middle. Russell Wilson threw that ball from the 23-yard line and hit – Tyler Lockett on the 18-yard line. That's 59 yards in the air, and it was a dime. It was truly like he took a dime and said, here, (laughs) I'm going to drop it in your hands. It's one of the most remarkable throws. I mean, I don't know what people really talked about. 
how long a throw that was. Most goes are 40, 42, 44 yards. This was 59 yards. Tyler Lockett does what he does. But all game, right, we're, we're five yards. We're 10 yards. We're running it. We do a fly sweep. We've got a, to the tight ends, four passes in a row to get down to the goal line before Everett scored on that. Now we're right before halftime. Boom. We hit him with the big play. And we even didn't have DK Metcalf get involved yet. And you know what's great? Another thing that's great about that play, this is a team sport. On the other, uh, other sideline, other hash, or excuse me, other numbers, you got number 14, DK. And what does Russell do? As soon as he snaps the ball, he looks left. He goes, look, I'm going to pull that safety. You got DK going vertical on the other side. I'm going to hold that safety. I'm going to trust that Tyler Locke is going to sell this corner enough to make the other safety bite and try to go over the top. Hold with my eyes. Throw it to a spot. I trust my guy, Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson, one of the best deep ball connections in the NFL. Are they playing quarters on this? I think so. Man, I so I'm looking up top thinking it's cover two. So maybe they're playing quarter, quarter, half. Because on the backside, the safety or the corner's definitely getting depth. And then there's two safeties back there. So maybe it's a, a quarter, quarter, half type mm-hmm. of concept. Right, just again, another impressive play. Yep. You know, again, it, you know, there's a lot more coming a lot more a lot more okay last play we have daryl taylor sacks carson wentz on fourth down wentz from the shotgun has a slot near side takes the snap has a second looks gets hit goes down ball is going to go back over to the seahawks daryl taylor comes in from the right side of the offense fights right through his man wentz never saw him he got hit and decked and another sack for the Seahawks. That's three on the game and couldn't come at a better time. Wow. We haven't had this kind of speed rush. Well, probably Frank Clark. And I would even, man, I'm, I don't want to say it yet. I'm, I'm going to hold my, my opinion on that. But it's, um, it's that kind of quickness and his strength. I didn't realize he was as big as he is. I mean, he seems like a 6'2", 6'3", 240-pounder. Nope, nope. He's 6'4", 267. Mm. You know, 265 and explosive. And on that play, he'd been speed rushing, speed having some success. He's on the left side. He's got in a three-point stance. He is off the ball so fast. I, I don't think any of our other defensive linemen are within two yards of him when he gets to about four or five yards into the backfield. And then the, the, the right defensive tackle, because of the speed, he's on his heels. And the great thing about Darrell Taylor, he's strong enough that he just bull rushed him and put the right tackle on his butt, mm. on his arse, ran over him, and got the sack. You know how hard that is? I, 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 12, I need you to get excited about this <laughs> because this is exciting. We haven't had this kind of guy since Frank Clark, and he's got a different edge to him than Frank as well. Um, <laughs> that Sometimes our first-round picks don't always pan out. If this thing hits the way it looks, Seahawks are geniuses. Yeah, he looks good. You know what? Um, when you play basketball, right? I play AAU. More of you might have played. I know Choby played as well. When you're playing defense, you don't want those those heels to click, right? Your feet are too close together. That tackle, them, them heels were clicking. There's no place like home. They were clicking. <laughs> I was about to go there. <laughs> got him off balance. That's what you want. He hit him with a one-two step. We call that the Hezzy. Got him off balance, pushed him, sat him down. This is going to be on his career highlight tape. I said, I don't know if we said it earlier. We were talking before. Um, I, I think he has a chance to get 10 sacks, too. Okay. I, I think you got a chance, Rasheem Green, you know, 8 to 10. Yeah, it depends on how much playing time they get. From an ability standpoint, they both have it. I think you're going to see them, our lead guys, on the edge. And then you throw in Hyder, and you're going to get Dunlap at times. They would throw them inside in passing situations. 
Mayoa, we're, we're deep. We get to rotate people. Gonna be a fun defense. Gonna be a fun defense. All right, that's Gerald Everett for a nine yard touchdown. Tyler Lockett, 69 yard touchdown, and Daryl Taylor, Sex Carson Wentz on fourth down. Big plays being made. All right, when we return, we will go around the NFL right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus here with Paul Moyer. Now we are going to go around the NFL and man, weird times for the Green Bay Packers. Is it done in Green Bay? Aaron Rodgers comes out. He's struggling. He doesn't play well. 15 to 28, 133 yards, two touchdowns. Though it just doesn't look the same to get beat down 38 to three by the Saints. Should everyone just R E L A X relax? Are the real problems going on in Green Bay now? Former Green Bay Packer Jermichael Finley had some words to say about Aaron Rodgers. I played with 12 for uh, several years, and once again, I'm not bashing my guy. He's, he's a hell of a a quarterback, but once again, he's a quarterback that doesn't never take blame for himself. He's that guy, if I throw the ball to the receiver, he's got to catch it wherever it's at. Uh, he's not a guy, if you go into the uh, into the film room and he, he made a bad pass, he's not that guy who's going to raise his hand and say, oh, that's my bad. He's going to make sure make sure that the coaches know that uh, it, that's all on you. I got the ball there, you got to catch the ball. So he's, he's not a leader in that aspect of, of this game. Now, that was on the Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max radio show this weekend. <laughs> they talk about diva receivers. That quarterback sounds like he needs to take some accountability. He's got, he's got one more thing to say about Aaron Rodgers. I'm not a hater. I'm just – I'm looking out, actually. I just want the guys to do their best and play conquer football. And uh, I think Love is going to be ready for the job here pretty soon. So, can't, can't wait to see the youngster play. Love is going to be ready for the job, but Rodgers – like, to be fair to Aaron Rodgers, just came off arguably his best season. They were in the NFC Championship game. He threw 40 touchdowns against, like, negative 10 interceptions, whatever it was. Do you think he fell off that quickly? Bro, that's the National Football League. Uh, each offseason, you got work like it's the last season. And I just don't see a work ethic in Aaron Rodgers that I have in previous years. Now, Rodgers said relax back in the day. I'm going to tell people what my wife says to my kids. She's, she's Latin. Calmate. Means calm down. One game out of 17, Moyer. It's not over for this man. He didn't practice, right? He didn't show up when he was supposed to. He's going to be rusty. I don't care if you are a Hall of Famer. You got to get acclimated. You got to get on, get some chemistry with your receivers. I don't think it's over. I don't think we're going to see Jordan Love anytime this year. I don't want to kick a man when he's down either. And, look, I think Aaron Rodgers still has a great arm. He's proven to be a fantastic quarterback. You know during the game I'm watching it. And I'm going, God, he would drive me nuts because he throws off his back foot all the time. He didn't want to get hit. You know, I mean, I'm watching Russell Wilson now take on a whole new role where he says, I'm standing tall in this pocket. I, you know, I I believe in it. I just, I've always felt Aaron doesn't love the game. You know, he's just out there. He goes, yeah. And I think in this offseason, I think the only thing he did was yoga. And yoga's (laughs) nice. It's nice. Learn Pilates. I, Pilates. Uh, we Cody we had the Cody Barton, which, by the way, I'm going to do both. <laughs> but in the NFL, you better be lifting some weights. Yoga's not going to get it done on itself. Not not a chance. I look at he looks skinny. He looks like he just came back from a trip from Hawaii, going up into the mountains, which he did, and going through all these waterfalls with his soon-to-be wife and friends. That's what he looked. He looked like a guy who said, "I'm going to enjoy my off season." And when I get there, I'll be ready for y'all. Y'all work your butt off as a team. That's my issue with it. I think what Finley was saying, 
great quarterback, you mm-hmm. know, during that time. That that's not the issue. It's just when you start putting priorities ahead and you're playing at the the, the top of level. I mean, there's no no you can't get higher than the NFL in football. You better give that kind of effort. And if you don't, this is what you see. And again, will they write the shit? I'm sure. I mean, he's 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 crazy good. But I you're now in a locker room. If he doesn't take accountability, which I've heard that too, he's not, he's that guy's like, don't look at me. I got the ball over there. You know, anywhere within that halo, you know, your arm stretch, yeah. you better catch that. I, I'm not a fan of Aaron. Never have been, never will be. I think he's a good quarterback. The sooner he leaves the league, won't bother me. Oh, won't bother Paul no. Moore. You know, I don't – I'm not a fan of Aaron Rodgers. I appreciate his greatness. I know he's going to go down no. as one of the best to do it. You mentioned him throwing off his back foot. He's been doing that since he's been in the league. That's kind of kind of what he does. And I think we're seeing the result of him not preparing the way he usually does. And But I also think he's good enough, like you mentioned, to get this thing right. I don't see the Packers losing 10 games this year and being pathetic and horrible. He's 6-0 and after losses with Lafleur. Am I saying his name right? Lafleur. Lafleur. All right, so he's going to bounce back. I think he will be okay. I hope they don't. You hope they don't. Well, and the reason why? They've been a nemesis to us, man. Yeah. They've, they've been tough. So get, let's just get them out. Go ahead and lose six games in a row. All right, let's talk about the NFC West. The NFC West won every game played last week with a combined score of 144 to 76. This is the best division of football, folks. You want to watch some good football, you just turn on the Cardinals, the Rams, the Hawks, and the Niners. And you will see some good football. Who? Another guy who believes in that is a 49er tight end, one of the best tight ends in the game, George Kittle. I mean, I've been saying that for a minute there, Max. Uh, NFC West, man, we got a lot of people out there, you know, from, you know, Cardinals got Kyler Murray, they got DeAndre Hopkins, they got Chandler Jones, Buda Baker, Rams have Aaron Donald. I mean, that's that's pretty good in, in, by itself. Um, and the Seahawks are always just bringing it with Russell Wilson. So, I mean, like, you got guys, you know, everywhere. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, they got to go against our defense and Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and Fred Warner. And, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of guys in there that can make a lot of plays, and I think our offense is going to continue to keep rolling. And um, the one thing that we do better than I think anyone else in our division is run the damn ball, and that's what we're going to continue to do and, uh, you know, be violent and be physical every single week. Mm. Mm. I love him. Me too. Because he talks it and he backs it up. The difference between Aaron Rodgers and him, you know, <laughs> it's just I, I want to go play with Kittle, just the way he talks. You know, Aaron Rodgers makes me want to go, I don't want to play with this guy, even though he's he's great. I, I agree. It's, it's not. There's no question. This is the toughest division, and and it's not just the teams. Man, everybody's good on both sides of the ball now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Arizona. You say eh, not a great defense. You know, Kyle Murray maybe not the most accurate guy. Well, guess what? He's accurate. He's faster than he's ever been. Their defense is good. They got everybody back. Throwing you know Chandler Jones and and Watt and and all the guys that he just mentioned. I still think we're the best team because we got the best quarterback in the league. And we've got Jamal Adams, and we got Bobby Wagner, and we've got uh, Taylor or uh, Daryl Taylor, and we've got we got some players too now, on both sides of the ball. DK, we've got tight ends. So yeah, I'll, I'll match our star power with theirs any day. Okay, real quick, Matthew Stafford. Now he was twenty to twenty six, three hundred twenty one yards, three touchdowns. Is this just a a one game where he? kind of just flourish and win against the Chicago Bears team that's been struggling over the past couple of years, or is this guy for real? Who did they play? The Bears. Yeah. Uh, uh, who was their quarterback? A guy named Andy Dalton. Andy. 
Yeah, that just strikes fear in you, doesn't it? Now, they do have a good defense. I give them credit for what they did offensively. We know that's a good scheme, and we're now playing a lot of what what they do. I just got a feeling about the Rams, man. I go, if there's the one team, they may finish last in this league. Really? In, in our division. I'm sorry, not in the league. Um, look, I, I'm saying they're going to go 6-11. and 11. I know that's so weird. 6-11, and 11. no, I didn't say that wrong, 17 games. But it's just something I don't know. I don't know if they quite have the star power at wide receiver. They've got a lot of injuries at running back. Uh, we'll see. But, yeah, it was just one game. Man, they have one of the best receivers in the league to me who doesn't get enough love, Who's Cooper that? Cup. No, I agree. At seven receptions, 108 yards, one touchdown. That dude is a route runner. I remember because my son played at Cal Poly, big sky. So, you know, followed the big sky, eastern Washington. I remember we played him two or three – actually, I think we played him three years in a row – Man, I wanted the Seahawks to draft him. I go, he, you'll get him in a second round. I mean, he's not a first round guy. Mm-hmm. I go, you get a second if you really want, maybe third. You know, I mean, I think he got drafted in a second. Did he get a second round? I think no. it was second round. Either way, when he went to the Rams, I went, uh oh, they got, he was third round pick. I went, uh oh, they got a gamer. Mm-hmm. Guy makes plays all over the field. Doesn't matter if it's FCS, FBS, NFL, he's going to be successful, and he has been. Yes, he has been. You know what's been successful this this show, man. I love hanging out with you on Thursdays, man. Always, man, always. Always. All right, when we return, we'll give you our final thoughts and the keys to victory right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Last segment of the show. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer, as usual. Every Thursday, 7 to 9, we're wrapping this thing up. Hey, guys, it's going to be different this Sunday getting into the game. Uh, for vaccinated fans, you have to show a hard copy of the CDC vaccination card or a photo of their card or a digital version displayed on their phone. A printout of a digital version is good as well. Fans can also upload their vaccine cards to the Clear Health Pass in the Clear app. Unvaccinated versions. They must take a COVID-19 test within 72 hours prior to kickoff. They can display a printed out copy of their negative test result or show an email or digital result on their phone. Tests can be PCR or rapid tests as long as the results are verified by a lab. At-home kits that aren't verified by, by a lab will not be accepted. Tests are widely available. Visit doh.wa.gov slash COVID-19 for a list of testing locations across the state. Children under 12s, you do not need to show a negative test. Reminder on masks. Fans will be required to wear masks at all times except when actively eating or drinking regardless of vaccination status as it is required for large events by current state and local mandates. It'll be different. Get there. We still need you there. It's going to be loud. Show up. Let's make it happen. I wonder if they can make a mask that makes it louder. (laughs) (laughs) A little amplifier on the mask. Well, I'm thinking there could be something there for us, Bump. We may need to go and and create something. Just expose it. It's just that part's part's (laughs) weird to me. But it'll, it'll be loud regardless. Uh, you know, again, it'll be exciting. It's supposed to be a little wet. It's perfect time for the Seahawks. Yep. You know, we we play well at home, and particularly when it's raining. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be electric. I think it's going to be a good game. I think that you cannot look at the stats from last week when you look at the Tennessee Titans and say, "Oh, it's going to be an easy win." That's fool's gold for you right there. You got to understand they have one of the best running backs in the lead. League and Derrick Henry rushed for 2,000 yards, 17 touchdowns last year. They bring over Julio Jones, who in seven games rushed for, excuse me, received for 700 yards. Uh, you still got A.J. Brown, who went for over 1,000 yards and 11 touchdowns. They have some weapons. So what must you do? Get to the quarterback like Chandler uh, Jones did. It's easy, right? Five sacks, easy. <laughs> we don't have a 
Chandler Jones. And I, it's not, again, not a negative. I mean, Chandler, just his size and what he's capable of doing, he's a guy that can whoop any man, one man on his own. But we got a lot of good players. Yeah. And we've got two guys right now coming off the edge of Machine Green as well as uh, Daryl Taylor that got this quickness that gives you that edge that makes the tackles go, that's a problem. We have to account for those guys. And I keep saying, we haven't brought Jamal Adams in. Remember, he had a sack right off the bat. Mm-hmm. They called offsides on him. He wasn't, at least in my opinion. Um, I thought he timed that beautifully. But he's in the mix. We haven't even really blitzed Bobby. I think they were a couple times uh, as well. And then all the other guys we've talked about, from Mayo to Hyder to Dunlap, um, I'm, I know I'm forgetting people. And that's – I didn't used to forget people last year. <laughs> I knew who the pass rushers were. We, we have uh, – a plethora of them, and it's a, it's a good problem they have. I think it's going to be a tough game, though. Look, you got Julio Jones and the guys you've just mentioned, plus they got a really good tight end. I hope we go up 17 to nothing mm-hmm. or 24 to 6 like they did, and we force them to throw the ball. I really believe what the Seahawks did last week against Indianapolis, same game plan. I know you got Julio. We, we can match up with Julio. We got some size on there. Um, we just got to force them to throw it because I think their offensive line is struggling enough that we we can get pressure, some turnovers, things like that. So, that's that's my game plan. If you know, shut Henry down like they did last week. Uh, you know, keep him under seventy yards. I think you know we win this game. Man, one of the key phrases I used to hear growing up and playing ball is gap integrity. Right? If you have the B gap, you get in the B gap. You got the A gap, you get the A gap. Because at the line of scrimmage, if you can make Derrick Henry make a move and shuffle, that's not his game. He's not a Barry. He's not a, a Kamara. He's a downhill type of guy. If you make him go east or west right now at the line of scrimmage, you have a chance. That's what I saw the Arizona Cardinals do. Is they, they made him second guess. Quick feet. That's not his game. He wants to hit the hole, get to the second level, open up his stride, and then off to the races like you just – Runs high. There you go. So let me ask you something because when I was growing up, I, Earl Campbell, mm-hmm. I always said, wow, if I was in the NFL, I, I don't know if I want to tackle him. Uh, Eric Dickerson, same mm-hmm. age as me, came out uh, in 83, my first year. Didn't play him much, but he was a guy also that I go, okay, going into that game, uh, I'm going to have to have a different mentality yeah. along the way. Um, I'm just curious, you know, maybe defensively some guys that you, know, you were thinking about, but I think of Derrick Henry as one of those running backs, mm-hmm. whereas a defensive guy right now, the Seahawks are going, I have a, have a different mentality in this game. He's so big, he's so strong, he's so fast – for that size, uh, I can't treat him even like Taylor from last week against Indianapolis. I can't treat him like any other running back in this league because there's no other running back in this league like him. Yeah. So, I, can't, I can't think of anybody. No, there's only one Derrick Henry. Definitely only one Derrick Henry, especially in a time where the game is shifting towards the smaller, quicker, do-it-all type running backs. Where Derrick Henry is like, look, man, don't line me up in the slot. Don't don't motion me outside. Uh, I'm right here. I'm going downhill. You ever watched the, the Little Giants? That sh- that movie, Little yeah, Giants. Yeah. You know, uh, I forgot sure. the kid's name. Uh, the running back for uh, for Dallas back on that team, and he was like, "Bo, I'm downhill." <laughs> <laughs> That's what Derrick Henry is. If you let him get downhill, you let him get to that second level. They're gonna be some problems. So guys like Daryl Taylor and Rasheem Green, who had good games, they're gonna have to back it up this week. And I think they're up for the challenge. I think this is a defense that show that they're tough, but they're going to get tested right here early. And then in the secondary, um, we have Trey Flowers, we have DJ Reed, we have Ugo Amadi, Marquise Blair in the slot trying to figure things out. They're going to be tested as well. 
Derrick Henry, six foot three, two hundred and forty pounds, ran a four five four, whatever. That's fast enough. What's amazing for his size is how many big long runs he's had. Yes, you know, just carrying people on his back, you know, like they're children. So you know, again, I mean, we're. Or they have this guy named Julio Jones, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was pretty good. Yeah, they're they're loaded there. And now offensively, I'm excited to see the next chapter, right, the next page. Week two, how do you build off of that jet sweep? Uh, What do you do do underneath the Tyler Lockett when you show him that the defense, that corner post? You know, when you're in the red zone and you're in that trips formation and they're they're watching film, hey, check this, check this. You're in the same formation. You got Disley in the slot at the number three spot, Lockett and Gerald Everett. This defense is going to be saying, watch out for this play. Watch out for that play. What wrinkle are you going to have off of that? That's what I'm excited to see. How is Shane going to stay creative? I think you're going to get a big dose of running the football. I do. I think we're going to put the big boy pads on. You get, look, Bradley McDougal, who's been out, um, they had uh, an injury uh, for, to to their safety. He's going to be starting this week. Good safety, kind of more of a free safety to me. A yeah. guy can run on the slot. I know he played strong safety here for us, but um, you know, you, you do some dose of that. They're 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 banged up in the secondary. You know, so you take your shots. Also, I don't know. Here's the beauty. I said at the beginning of the show, I don't know what we're going to run, which is different the last ten years. Right, so, and uh, yeah, I just I wanted to get that eight hundred number out. Well, I could. Um, no, I I think it, this is one of those. I mean, it could be a dose of fly sweeps. It could be a mm-hmm. dose of tight ends and screens. And I I think every game going into it now, we're gonna go. I don't know. You know, it's just you know, it, he's gonna mix it around, and someone's gonna have a big day. Well, we talked to uh, Joe Rexbro for the Titans, and he gave us some names to look after. Uh, number 86, the tight end. I get it. I didn't get his name. I'm sorry about that. Chester Rogers is a guy to look after. And then Josh Reynolds as well. So yeah. you got those big names out there, the Julios, the Browns, and um, Derek Henry. But there's always some guys who you don't know who are going to make plays. And for the Titans, they're probably looking, the fans for the Titans are looking like, who's Daryl Taylor? You know, he had a sack. Who's that? Who's Rasheem Green? You know, he had a sack. So you role players, man. Step up. Let's make a play. I think they will. I mean, we talked about it coming into this season. We need the young guys to step up and, and the second-year players, third-year players to be something special, and it's been a good start to the season already. Good start to the season. Good start to Hawk Talk. Or excuse me, Hawks Live. I'm here with Michael Bumpus. A special thanks to Joe Rexroad, Kyle Fuller, and John Clayton for joining the show and our board operator, Nick Kratia. The Seahawks pregame show was live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumpus, with Paul Moyer. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live. Big ups to Nasa Chobie, our producer as well.